question um, that Pastor had shared some statistics with us a while back. And it was about, since COVID happened, how a lot of churches have closed and how there's been this big drop-off of attendance in just the American church in general. I'm just going to read a quick paragraph to you guys about that. According to data collected in April, April and May of 2020 by Barna Group, in one in three per- per- practicing Christians dropped out of church completely during COVID-19. That June, the AP broke a story about many houses of worship in the U.S. that were shuttered forever due to the pandemic. What's worse, church membership in the U.S. dropped below 50% for the first time in 2020, according to Gallup data collected back, at, back to 1940. So since 1940, U.S. church attendance has dropped below 50% for the first time. And in a separate study, it said that that attendance has not increased or has even has not gotten better since the decline of COVID and the decline of this situation or this pandemic that we have all just lived through. And I've been seeing a lot of people that I used to go to school with, high school with, and uh, just people that I know on Facebook just sharing about how stories that they have stopped going to church, why they stopped going to church, and it's been breaking my heart. Seeing so many people not feel the need to come to the house of God anymore. And... The house of God is a place of edification in 1 Corinthians 13. It says this is a place where we come together to build one another up, not not just so that we can sustain ourselves. Today isn't just to sustain ourselves through Monday through Saturday. Today is just to build each other up, to get each other some strength, so that way we can get into Monday and through our uh, personal prayer time and our connection with God, be able to get through the rest of the week. This is where we learn together. This is where we grow together. And it breaks my heart to feel that people think they don't need that. And like I said, for the past two weeks, it's been pushing me to ask God, what is it that I feel like that we're missing? What is it that I feel like that I'm missing in my own life because... I'm, I'm, not put, I'm not saying anything else besides my own life. I'm examining my own life, asking God, what is it that I need to do better? And I'm just sharing some notes with you guys today that I feel may be beneficial. And I've titled this mes- message today, If You Are Taking Notes, Stay in the Glory. And we're going to start in Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 through 17. Now, this, where we're picking up at is right after the Israelites and Moses have escaped Egypt. And what they are doing is they are at Mount Sinai. This is after they got the first Ten Commandments and Moses gets mad and breaks the Ten Commandments because the Israelites, in their haste to move on, they start worshiping an idol. They start trying to do things in their own strength. They start trying to do things without God's power and they start trying to do things without God's guidance. And in, in that direction, they start worshiping idols, and Moses gets mad, breaks, breaks the tablets by throwing them off the side of the mountain and crushing up the golden calf that they have created to worship in place of God and then made them drink the, gold, the crushed up gold. That's a bad parent right there. Has your parent made you drink gold? Because that's a bad punishment. But... That's where we're picking up at is God, Moses has gone back up to the mountaintop and God has given this declaration that says, all right, since you guys are such a stiff-necked people, since you guys are so hard-headed, you guys go on to the promised land, but I'm going to stay right here 
And you guys get to have your promise that I gave you, but I'm not going to go with you because I may kill you guys. And so that's where we're picking up at. In verse 15 it says, Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. The thing that separated Moses and the Israelites was God's glory, was God's presence. And if God's presence didn't go with them, Moses understood that once they got to the promised land, they would surely be crushed. They would surely be assimilated into all the other cultures around them because if God's presence wasn't with them, then nothing would separate them. I was listening to a great sermon by my friend, Pastor Ethan Coffin, uh, Bethel Family Worship Center in Indianapolis. And one of the things that he spoke about was that there, in Leviticus, one of God's commandments for the priests was to have this continual fire on the altar. And God's glory, the Holy Spirit, God's presence is, is symbolized by fire. And in the book of Leviticus, God has a command to the priest to never let this fire go out. And he had a quote in this sermon that has really stuck with me for these past two weeks. And it was a very simple statement. He said, it is hard to reignite a burnt out match. Because how many of us have said, I'm burnt out? How many of us have said, I'm burnt out at work? How many of us have said, we're burnt out with our our jobs, with our everyday life? How many of us would even dare to say, we're burnt out of church? How many of us would say we're burnt out on our pray, praying time? We're burnt out of our reading our Bibles. We're burnt out of even praying to God. Because I'll be honest and say I've, I've felt that here recently. I've gotten to a point to where I, I would just pray. I would pray to God and I read my Bible because I say that's what I'm supposed to do. And yes, I would feel bad and I would notice my attitude changing. I would notice my, my mentality changing when I didn't pray and when I didn't read. But I'm willing to admit that I felt burnt out with church, with reading my word, and just all the things that connects us to God. And so my question for each and every one of us today is, have we allowed ourselves to become burnt out of church? Have we become burnt out of God to where this worship service, this coming together as believers has simply become a Sunday morning tradition and has no bearing on the rest of our week? Is this the only time that we come to meet with God? And as the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. Is this the only time of our week we truly raise our hands and in our heart of hearts truly worship Him, truly connect with Him? Is this our only moment of the week that we truly are hungry for God? Or is it even to a point to where we don't even have that today? In the rest of our week that God is just something, is the... Is the whipped cream on top of the Sunday That we don't ha- allow him to have any bearing on the rest of the week. That he's something that we just add on to our week. That we just add on to our day because that's the good Christian thing to do. Have we become burnout church? My question, my second question, and more relating to this passage, 
have we been content to go to our promised land and leave the glory behind? Because my, what I felt like in my own life is that I've been, I've been content to go through the motions. Like I said, I've been content to go through the motions, to pray, to, to read my Bible, but all of that is meaningless if there's no intimacy behind it. If there's no intimacy behind our praying and our reading, if there's no intimacy behind the time we spend with God, then what good is it? That there, yes, I understand that no seed is ever wasted, that no time spent with God is ever wasted, but it, it means so much better if you put fertilizer with it. And if we don't have intimacy with God, then it means so much less. And in this walk with God, serving without in intimacy belittle, belittles us into slaves rather than sons and daughters. The difference between a slave and a, and a son is that the son has intimacy with the father or with the master. A daughter has intimacy with the father. But a slave is just compelled to work because that's the good thing to do. And maybe you and I have that weightiness on our shoulders. Maybe we feel like something's missing in our lives because we have forgotten intimacy. Because we have somewhere along the way left the glory behind. In Exodus, what you'll see is that if you look at Israelites' journey to the promised land, that there is a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Maybe the reason why we're getting sunburnt during the day and we're getting frostbite at night is because we keep stepping outside of the glory. We keep leaving God's presence behind because we keep stepping outside of what it is that He wants us to do. Because all that He has ever asked of us is to have intimacy with Him. Because you look at Exodus chapter 2 at the fall of man, all that God has done the rest of the Bible is to try and get us to the point of intimacy that He had with Adam and Eve again. Because the Bible says that He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. That He had a close enough relationship that He truly came down and not just was in their presence, but He actually spoke with them. That He actually had a true connection, a true relationship with Adam and Eve. And that's where God is trying to get us back to. And that's what Moses asked for in Exodus 33. And that's what I've been begging God for since two weeks ago, is asking for God's glory. Because this shouldn't be the case. In the case of a pandemic, in the case of some of the greatest struggles that some people have seen in their lifetime, over a global scale, the church should be the place of hope. It should be the beacon of, hey, God has an answer for this situation. God has an answer for your life. And at the very least, we should be living testimonies ourselves of God's goodness and God's grace. But if that's not the case, then I beg the question, where is God's glory in our lives? And a good litmus test for if God's glory is in our lives is in the fruit of the Spirit. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature 
to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, if we are living by his glory, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is the litmus test if God's glory is truly in our lives. If our fruit is looking nasty, if that banana peel of your life is turning black, that's not ripe. It needs to go in the trash. If that apple is starting to get nasty, it needs to get thrown away and get replaced with new fruit. Because if we don't have God's glory in our life, then we will not have love. We will not have joy. We will not have peace, patience, kindness, and so on. And these are the things that show the rest of the world that God is truly better. Because if you guys have been... Uh, watching The Chosen, if you guys have been watching this great show, they always say, come and see, come and see, come and see. And that's the whole point of our lives is to say, come and see. But if our fruit, when we say come and see, looks terrible, and it looks like the rest of the world, then why would anyone want to come and see that, every, that something that's the same as everything else around them? And God's glory is what differentiates our fruit from the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world doesn't have these things. The rest of the world doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit, but God's glory produces it in our lives. So, my question is, how do we follow the Spirit's leading? How do we produce this better fruit in our lives? How do we produce good fruit that entices the rest of the world. This has been a question that's on my mind because I, I love having questions about uh, disciples like Timothy and Titus towards the end of the Bible because we look at all the disciples and it's like, yeah, they had a close relationship with Jesus in physical form here on the earth. And yes, they knew his heart from that time with him. But we get disciples that are in a lot of positions like us like Timothy and Titus, who never in their life had seen Jesus in physical form. They didn't even have the Bible. They had the Old Testament and some of Paul's letters. That's all they had. But what they did have was glory. What they did have was God's presence in their lives. And they lived in a time, in a, in a, in a cultural structure much like us, in the middle of Roman society, where they said, live your life and do what pleases you best. But yet they still grew the church radically. They still had such a following in the church that they were willing to die for this gospel. And they didn't even have the Bible. But they did have God's presence. They did have God's glory in their lives. And we, as an American church, have come to a point to where the government says don't have church and then we lose, we drop below 50% of attendance even after all of it's over. It's exactly how I felt. Very, I spent a lot of time real quiet in God's presence because I felt heavy and I felt accountable for it. Because my life should be a better testimony than that. My life should carry more glory than that. My life, through its testimony, should entice people to come here. To be edified each and every week. But the question that God has led, 
led me to is how do we follow the Spirit's leading? How do we stay in the glory? And it's a very simple question, or it's a very simple answer. We follow the Spirit's leading by staying intentionally intimate with Him. I hinted at it earlier. We intentionally stay intimate with Him. And that begins in the quiet place, in the secret place. Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees sees everything will reward you. I understand our life is busy. I work a full-time job, and I work here at the church where I'm not at that full-time job, and I understand that many of you are way more busy than I am. Way more busy than I am. But that the secret weapon that Satan has for your life is not some grand scheme to keep throwing terrible things after terrible things after terrible things at you. That's not Satan's scheme. The great plan to disrupt our lives is to keep us so busy that we're not in the secret place with God. It's so subtle to stay so busy that we don't connect with God. Stay so busy that we don't shut the door behind us and take 30 minutes, take 10 minutes to just love on Heavenly Father. Because I guarantee... I don't even have to guarantee, if you happen to see Michaela and I out on a date somewhere, and you, God help me if you see me on my phone, she don't like it. If I'm distracted and I'm not talking to her, she will take my phone. <laughs> that's exactly how, as the, I say that as a funny example, she's not that bad, I promise. She just, she just looks at me funny and I can feel the disappointment. It's an evil glare like the eye of Sauron. But but that's exactly how it feels with God. If we don't spend any time with Him, and even when we do go to pray, if if, if I only called Michaela and only talked to her in my car on the way to work, she wouldn't have no idea what's going on in my life. I wouldn't have any idea what's going on in hers. And if I only talked to her when it was when it was convenient for me, then I wouldn't be doing my part as a husband to be there for her whenever she needed me. And it's the same thing as our relationship with God because God says that He is, that we are uh, the bride of Christ, that we are in this marriage relationship with Him, that He longs to be intimate with us. He longs to know how our day is going. He longs to know what's going on in our lives, what's causing us to break down, what's being heavy on our minds. He wants to know what's going on in our lives. But if we aren't purposely intimate with Him, then we won't have any connection with Him. And we won't have any way of knowing what He wants of us. What He wants, to, what he wants us to know about Him. And if we don't know about Him, then how can we bear fruit in our lives? How can we walk in the glory of His presence and, and entice others to come and see Him if we don't know about Him? If we're constantly living on yesterday's revelation of who he is, then what good is that today? If I'm only living in an understanding of who Michaela was three years ago when we started uh, getting to know each other better, 
then I wouldn't have any idea who it is that I'm married to. And it's the exact same way with our relationship with Christ. That it takes a daily intimacy. It takes a daily moment of being with Him. It takes knowing, truly knowing Him for us to live the way He wants us to. So we can't ever let ourselves get so busy that we skip that time with Him. We can't ever let ourselves get so busy that we say that I'm going to go do this without you. I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z without you. I have this plan. I have this idea. I have this investment idea. And I'm going to go do this without even praying and getting to know God's opinion on the matter. Because He longs to be in every detail of our lives. And this this pattern of a secret place, this pattern of going and shutting the door behind you to pray and to get to know God on a one-on-one basis. This is what Moses does. This is what Jesus does almost every day as you read in, his, in, the, in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that both Moses and Jesus, every time they need an answer, every day they go to, Moses goes to the tent of meeting and Jesus goes away to pray somewhere private. Even the Son of God Himself needed to go away and pray. And if Jesus Himself needed to do it, then I think we do too. And if Moses, one of the greatest patriarchs of the Bible, needs to go do it, then surely we do too. As I'm wrapping up and the worship team's coming, I just want to close with one passage. And that's John 15, 4 through 5. It says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it, it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Church, I feel like the answer to my, my situation I opened up with about there being such a decrease in people feeling the need of church, what scares me is that they, the idea that they don't feel any difference from not going to church versus when they did. That's what scares me. And what I don't want us to make the mistake of, what I don't want to make the mistake of, is thinking I can do this life in my own strength. There's a great song that I've been listening to, and I've probably been annoying Michaela to death with it. It's called Monday Morning Faith. And the lyrics go, hell's not scared of a Sunday faith, if it only leads to empty praise. Hell's not scared of a Sunday faith if it only leads to empty praise. And when the worship team sings during this altar call, I don't want an empty praise. I don't want an empty praise. Because, like I said, I've gone through the motions. I've gone through the motions of 
lifting my hands and singing, but being so distracted by everything else that it's just empty praise. It's just word, it's just lip service, it's just words that come out of my mouth with no weight, no bearing. But I want to praise God on Monday. I want to praise God on Tuesday. I want to praise God on Wednesday. I want to be able to truly worship Him each and every day. Because this can't satisfy us all week. This is where we get ideas. This is where we get notions of God. This is where we, we get ideas to chew on throughout the week and to expand upon in our personal devotion and our personal time with God. But it can't sustain me all week. And I'm afraid, church, that that's what the American church has done. That somehow we swapped God out for a church. And we have made church our God. That we believe in church more than God himself. So that when something happens to church, we don't feel any different. That we don't feel any emptiness. That we don't feel God's presence gone because we didn't know him intimately in the first place. And that's what the call is for today is to say exactly what Exodus 33 says, is that, God, we're not going anywhere without your glory. God, I'm not going to go anywhere, any day, without your presence. I'm not going to go anywhere, any day, without your Holy Spirit. Because I don't, I don't need my own strength. I need yours. I didn't earn this salvation. I didn't earn this grace. I didn't earn your glory. You gave it to me. And how, if I didn't earn it, then how can I sustain it? Because I can't sustain it. The only way that it, God's glory stays in my life, the only way God's glory stays in your life, is if we get to that secret place. If we come back to the altar and say, I do to God again. And live each and every day truly with Him. And it's only by that that we can truly have God's fruit in our life. That we can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That we can have the fruit of God's glory in our life. So that way when we do say, come and see, people will. People will. Can people see the difference in our lives? Can people see God's glory in my life? Can, God, can people see God's glory in your life? Because I'll be honest, I'll say, I don't think people have at some point in my life. A couple times in my life. And that's what these past two weeks for me has been, is coming back to the altar and saying, I do, God. And that's what we're doing today. If the worship team will... Uh, start a song. We'll stand real quick. I'll pray, and these altars are already open. If you guys feel like this message has been for you, or someone that you know, or you even have an inkling of somebody that you want to pray for, or even if it's yourself, I encourage you to come today.